Bienvenidos a Bro, a Prueba a Esto. Three gay caballeros. Viva México. Viva los Estados Unidos. Que Dios los bendiga. With me, caballeros, three gay caballeros. They say we are birds of a feather. <laughs> Viva México, cabrones. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Vida y Vino on Bro Taste This. I am Luis Pablo, and to my left, I have Juan Legend. Hello, hello, everybody. Joining us today, we have our friendly neighborhood best chef of town here in Lake Geneva, Mr. Abel Rosas. And clearly, last but not least, also our friendly neighborhood host, Phil hey. Golden Corral. Hey, hey. How are we doing, boys? Hola, hola. Hola, hola. Hola, hola. So, yo, Philippe, how's everybody doing today? Hey. Very good. Had a hell of a day. Yeah, everybody's having a good day. Yeah, I feel amazing now. Yeah, we just had a uh, four course meal prepared by Chef. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chef Abel. We had some candied bacon, mm-hmm. we had some baby carrots. That were both made in what do you call that machine? So that's a smoking gun, um, if you will. The if tradition you will have like you will smoke your stuff outside, you know, mm-hmm. with a big smoker. Um, and you know, whoever invents a smoking gun, I will say thank you because <laughs> it saves a lot of work and you know go outside. But also you can introduce flavors like, for example, in the uh, smoke candy uh, bacon that was a uh, rosemary, if you will. Mm-hmm. The, we smoked that, um, and then also on the um, it's baby carrot with uh, bourbon um, maple syrup, and then we smoke it with the uh, cherry uh, wood, yeah, no, if uh, you will. And that was like the flavor that you added. I don't know if, uh, what you guys think. You did taste the um, rosemary, you taste the cherry wood in the both dishes. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful. It was like a thing mm-hmm. out of Da Vinci, like seeing the tool first off mm-hmm. and seeing the smoke from the rosemary. It's just like encapsulate. You can taste the, the, the that flavor of smokiness. Mm-hmm. That um, that hickory or that mystique, right? I mean, that's yeah. the best way to like describe it in the bacon. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really tasted the the rosemary and the bacon. And I thought it was really fucking delicious. I've really become I've like recently become a a rosemary stan. Like uh-huh. in the last like two mm-hmm. three months, when I visited Mexico, um, my aunt had a huge like three foot tall rosemary bush in the back. And I would uh, drink a cup of rosemary tea every night, just like as like a sedative, like mm-hmm. to help you fall asleep. And it was like some of the best sleep I've had in a long time. Like I, yeah. yeah I, so ever since then, whenever I can have like rosemary potatoes, rosemary butter, like rosemary um, olive oil bread, things like that, sign me the fuck up. Like I'm yep. a rosemary stand now. I'm a wow. rosemary convert. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit, so that's y'all so gotta much come extra, to the too. Church of Rosemary. <laughs> I, I really like the the bacon because you know as we were eating it it didn't taste like bacon, it tasted like candy that was bacon flavored like it was just so sweet, and the texture was great. I don't like bacon that's way too crispy, but I feel like, whether well, did you bake it? Yes, it was mm-hmm. bacon. Uh, first it was have to be bake, mm-hmm. and then I glaze with the um, with the maple, uh, with the simple syrup if you will with rosemary already in it too. Mm-hmm. Um, that simple syrup was made it with uh, brown sugar. Um, simmer to 50% and then you can like glaze all your bacon um, and that 
I've been practicing a lot with that recipe uh, because that's the recipe I'm gonna use for bacon fest in the Geneva. So still, I'm gonna use the same the smoker. Gonna use the um, uh, the rosemary is gonna be fit the smoking gun, and then you're gonna fire them up so our guests can taste that too. So yeah. it's been a process, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and just keep practice repetition makes uh, yeah yeah i thought today it was it was really really good because the texture of it was perfect it wasn't too i don't it wasn't too crispy but it also wasn't like you're chewing on chewy. it for, mm-hmm. yeah i hate chewy yeah. more than crispy bacon i hate chewy bacon mm-hmm. um that it tastes like raw and uncooked but this was not like that this was it was just well textured it was a thick cut bacon that really absorbed the texture mm-hmm. of the the rosemary and then the simple maple syrup on it and, and to, to to hone the uh, the message that like the texture was so good. I know when I cook bacon, and I'm sure like a lot of people too, they mm. burn the shit out of it because yeah. we don't want that sogginess, that like yeah. that f- flimsy, flaccid mm. piece of bacon. You don't want that limp dick energy. No, no, you don't want that. Yeah. And then you, if you burn it, it's just crispy and just mm-hmm. tastes like shit. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed at the beginning too, like when I put it back to the oven to light them up just to. Give it that caramelized side on yeah. on top of it, it, just burning all that like sugar around. It was like a whole smokiness in the mm-hmm. house. You're caramelizing mm-hmm. those sugars. Yeah, no, it was really good. And then after that, we had uh, the baby carrots, which were super super good. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like tiny. I mean, you'll see them on like on Instagram when, when we post it up. But mm-hmm. these tiny little baby carrots that we eat the whole stem, everything, and it was just um, those were amazing. I love carrots. So uh, if I remember correctly, you said they were microgreens, right? Yeah, micro carrots. Micro carrots. So actually, like they're like a baby. Like they this look, yeah, they look bite size. Like, like when we normal plebeians people buy uh, <laughs> <laughs> buy baby carrots at the at the market, market, we mm-hmm. quite literally get these like thumb like <laughs> shaped, almost like capsule shaped. They don't look real. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't look real. Um, but what Abel today served us was uh, picture you know your fully full grown carrot, you know like a dozen of them <laughs> with the green top. Uh, and then Harry Potter went and was like, make that small as fuck. And suddenly you get what we got. You got these little like baby carrots with the green still on top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were steamed fresh out of the oven. We got them. They were like quickly glazed in this uh, maple bourbon glaze. Mm-hmm. And then went right in our mouths. Mm-hmm. It, it, for, for the size of it, the flavor. It with was the glaze packed you put on with it? flavor. You, you taste my the, yeah, the actual, you, you, know. you taste the soil, in my opinion. That's what I like. That's where my mind went. Like my mind, as as somebody who like has grown a plant in their life, like my mind literally went to like middle of July in the growing season, like when you're tasting something out of your garden. It is very earthy. Pretty, yeah. Mm-hmm. So as a little it bit of them, a little bit carrots are. So carrots are in the spring season too, you know, mm-hmm. start growing out. And so the idea is to just introduce little things like that, you know, just for uh, and myself as a chef is just to be, how to be more creative. Um, the idea comes from um, Enrique Olivera, who uh, owns Pujol in Mexico City. He um, actually owned one of the books, but also I've been following these guys from day one. And so he has this new, um, well, he dish that he does with, um, baby um, corn and he will use chicatanas from my, my 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 town which is Oaxaca and he will like make this meal we put on top of this uh, baby corn now for the people who don't know Abel what are chicatanas chicatanas so they're uh, flying ants if you will flying ants flying ants flying ants that come from uh, uh, Juquila in uh, Oaxaca 
And so when I saw Enrique doing this dish that he's, you know, doing baby corn, um, you know, as you guys go to Netflix, you will see one episode of him doing, you know, all this. Um, but also I was like, you know, something I, 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 I don't think I can perfect it, you know, my, um, if you will, the doing the baby corn again or do that dish because uh, once I need to bring those chikatanas to my to my, to Wisconsin right now, mm-hmm. no fly them. There are only those chikatanas only come out three times a day uh, a year, three days in, uh, in the whole year. They only come out so which is in July where the first rain comes. Um, and me growing up there in Oaxaca, I was like, okay, what I can do here, you know, in in my in my city or what I can do in Wisconsin mm-hmm. that. A dish that I can start reflecting that, and I can hope, you know, um, a little of my, you know, dream to 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 do something unique. Yeah, trying to implement some of that mm-hmm. hometown that you're familiar with in, in a brand new city and introduce it. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I was like, baby carrot is something that I can introduce, and it will be so it can be so popular, you know. So I'm working. I'm using that um, pre appetizer, if you will, for my guests as I do private in home. Uh, dinners if mm-hmm. you yes mm-hmm. and, that's right and carrots are like packed with vitamins so like just the fact that like we're able to we're such in a macro and micro environment and economy mm-hmm. just the fact they have our vegetables even micro size and more accessible i mean it sounds really stupid to say but it, like it seems more convenient you know what i mean if i'm out there buying like you know Micro greens. You you get them like micro a, a serving at a time rather than moderation. You know, you, you're cooking for four days and then you have two days worth of, of leftovers that you throw away or something like that. Mm. Mm. But like for the people who are unaware, um, I feel like we, we, we should. I feel like we should um, give Abel a, a quick little intro for mm-hmm. uh, all yeah. our listeners who sure. you know aren't aware of who you are and just started listening to us and suddenly you're talking, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> a- Abel is um, a person and a chef that m- both me and Luis are familiar with from the Geneva Inn days, um, from our days working there both as, uh, as servers and bartenders. Uh, we got to meet Abel as he um, started cooking as a sous chef, correct? Yeah, yep. that was your first step from from just the, line cook to sous chef. From the line cook, yeah, actually a line leader and then to a sous chef. Mm-hmm. If you want. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, like so, so we've gotten to see you grow essentially your careers, like take take their it's like crawling phase, you know, mm-hmm. like now maybe you could say you're jogging, you know, like, mm-hmm. and maybe like someday we'll see you as like, you have a place in who knows, Chicago, Austin, New York, Hong Kong, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, like your, your role model, um, what's his name? Antonio Olvera. Um, so, uh, Enrique Olvera. Is Enrique the, Olvera. He's one of the chefs that I follow that, uh, also is, um, Alejandro Ruiz from Oaxaca, and it is Carlo de Gaitan, which is my, you know, one of the sh- favorite uh, chefs. I uh, read books of them. I yeah. will, um, also it is, um, if you will, to um, other chefs that, that are from the U.S. and other um, countries, you know. And, and mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I don't watch a lot of television at all. Like you can mm-hmm. ask these dudes. I probably watch like seven hours a year, if mm-hmm. like on a good year, mm-hmm. but. Um, in the last few weeks, I've managed to somehow like run into the show The Final Table on Netflix. Mm-hmm, yes. And I saw that Enrique mm-hmm. Olvera was on there. So, um, And he was literally uh, like the ambassador and the judge like to the people or the 
this show that's based off of um, a collection of some of the best chefs in the world, co- like handpicked. The final table. The final table. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this collection of like some of the best chefs in the world, like almost hand plucked from like some pretty, um, well-established restaurants, and then they co- have them uh, compete against each other, and we we'll have teams of two on two. Uh, they represent all these different cooking styles, sometimes different, like some Brazilian backgrounds, some Japanese backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And Olvera was uh, the representative and judge for uh, the Mexican cuisine, yeah. which is like kind of part of like why I wanted to have you on, um, even though like that was just a happy accident in the final table. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to have you on from the beginning when I saw like when we talked about like the vision of this podcast, mm-hmm. like my mind went to you because I know you're from Oaxaca. And um, Oaxacan cuisine, and especially like Mexican cuisine, in in my opinion, in like in my very uh, young consciousness, mm-hmm. uh, I have seen uh, a lot more respect being paid towards Oaxacan and Mexican For cuisine. Sure. I mean, and I wanted to mm-hmm. look, get a representative, quite literally, from that area to get your opinion. Like, what is your opinion? On why you think it is having the uh, eyeglass or magnification it's having now? So I, I would say if you ask me 10, 10, 15 years ago, um, our cuisine already would come, like Oaxaca is very strong into um, gastronomy, if you will. So we have so much to give, you know, to the world and, you know, why not to be one of the best, um, um, the number one destination in the world to go visit for food, for foodies, for uh, everyone who's looking for, you know, to taste of Oaxaca. But uh, I will say now, five years, if you will, that more uh, chefs are doing more. Um, if I'm, I can be wrong, it can be 10 to five years from now, the chefs are doing more uh, fine dining cuisine in Oaxaca, which you didn't see, but um, everything started from the revolution for, you know, Enrique Olivera was our mentor who stepped up Mexico to the fine dining level. Like, yeah. you know, to take one street taco to the fine dining cuisine. Was um, fine dining ever a part of Mexican culture, or I, I don't think un- it was there until Enrique Olivera. What year would that be? Um, it was like he's not so sure that the year, but it's been like, about 10, 10, five, 10 so years. So only like, in the last mm-hmm. ten years. Yeah, they, uh, Enrique Olivera started this restaurant, which is called Pujol, mm-hmm. and I can, I don't, I will not compromise to say that the, the year of the. Um, when no, he started right, this restaurant. In, I mean, 10 mm-hmm. years is nothing. But he yeah. star, you know, this, uh, he was the first uh, Mexican chef who take the our street food to the fine, fine dining level. You know, yeah. I, as you can see, I don't know if you see one book, it's right there by Enrico Olivera next to the red book. Um, but it's the um, other one in the corner, yep, next to mm-hmm. the, next to the, uh, yeah, under yeah. those books. Uh, that's Enrico Olivera book that my brother gives to me. And when he, it was four years ago, it really, you know, I was like, I want to be part of this. This movement. This yeah. movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then seeing Oaxaca, you know, start more chef here doing more fine dining. So um, I really, um, a chef that I will give it credit to who start our, you know, this revolution in Oaxaca was, it is in, uh, Alejandro Ruiz from, um, you know, from uh, Casa Oaxaca in, in the city of Oaxaca. So for me, it was, um, how I can be part of that revolution, how I can be one of those chefs, you know, being... How you can join the movement. Exactly, you know. Do you think that part of that has to do with the amount of uh, Mexican people that are now second generation, third generation in the United States, so that 
they want to enjoy some of the food that they grew up with, but just at a much nicer level? I think too. I think more people too are paying attention. Why, you know, if you will, when you're talking about, because the the restaurants are, you know, in the restaurant industry, you know, it's so many food to try, right? It can happen like just yeah, like a lot French of trends cuisine or, you know, but a lot of when chefs are start using a lot of French influence, you know, for example, um, you know, in here, you know, I think if you will. Enrico Levera was the person who started introducing the French cuisine to the Mexican cuisine. It made a yeah. fusion. And so how Pujol becomes a, one of the number one restaurant in Mexico, one of the best restaurants. He becomes yeah. the best chef. So then they went to Oaxaca, and then all the chefs start seeing the revolution. It's a pioneer. You know, you see somebody who's taken that, you know, step in that level of the cuisine. So Oaxaca, um, you know, the chef, I mean, the, the culture was already, Oaxaca is... is it's beautiful. It has so much to give, like I mentioned. And then you see other restaurants like Pitiona, for example, or Criollo in Oaxaca. There's are, you know, yeah, you know, and more foodies start coming to our state. Um, then Alejandro Ruiz, uh, who is uh, one of the, the chef of Casa Oaxaca, he owns Casa Oaxaca. But you know, he started to people are seeing like traditional cuisine brought to you know at a fine dining level. Um, and so Oaxaca is known for seven moles. I mean, we have, you know, seven type of yeah. moles. It, it's literally oh. like known as the land of the mole. Exactly. Like where mole oh. came from, and everybody yeah. fucking eats mole. Like yeah. I don't care who you Oaxaca. are, everybody loves mole. And it's a sauce, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's um, just extremely complex. Like anybody who's exactly. unaware of what mole is, it's this. It's like spicy s- chocolate sauce. Yeah, it, exactly. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's such a great description. It's it's exactly this is like spicy chocolate spiced um, with. It has probably like five different kinds of dried chilies. It has probably like peanuts, almonds. It'll probably have some dark chocolate in there. May, sometimes bananas and apples. And then oh. they'll like cook it down mm-hmm. into this That's like crazy. brown, essentially looking like barbecue sauce. Um, but l- much less glazy. Yeah, you're right. It definitely mm-hmm. does look like barbecue sauce. Yeah. It sounds like a revolution of flavors it from Oaxaca. Like, the flavors like all here and there. It's just so complex. Um, and so if you ask me, um, can you, you know, move the mic a little bit closer? Yeah. So if you ask me, <laughs> so if you ask me like, um, you know, what is your favorite mole? I would say mole negro was my favorite. Yeah. favorite. Mm-hmm. I haven't had the chance to try mm-hmm. that. They even have mole verde, right? Which is like mole, green mole. Yeah. Mole verde. I we have coloradito. We have mole verde. Um, PPM. We have the, uh, chichilo. We have the, um, Mole, uh, I said Colorado already. Um, but when I first taste Mole Negro um, in Oaxaca, I was. Can you give uh, the listeners some of like the tasting notes of what you tasted yeah, in that Mole? Yeah. So um, to make a Mole Negro, they use a type of chile that is called chihuatl. is is in um, a process of instiction. Uh, so if we don't promote the Mole Negro the yeah. most we can, the pepper that will is not made, get grown ex- anymore, right? it will not be grown, and yeah. so so it's a lot of stories to Oaxaca, uh, you know, about the food too, because the ingredients. That, for that actually brings me to a topic that I want to touch on after. For you, sure. You, you so Chihuacle is for me. I even talked to my brother, you know, in in Oaxaca that we own a restaurant now, but I was like, you know, how if we start a farm to you know to start growing Chihuacles because I really want my kids to see Chihuacle, you know, that is the pepper that makes the mole negro. And so 
here, if you make a mole negro, yeah, you can make mole negro, but also you need a, the, the, the ingredient. It's not a real mole negro. Yeah. You need a chihuacle, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so for me, when I taste the mole negro, you taste the chocolate part, you taste the peppery, but it's, the flavors are like, like it's like... Um, the smoky, beautiful dance. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you are... It's another. It's another level. It's you know? earthy. It's mm-hmm. smoky. Should it be spicy savory. or should it be sweet? I. You can either. You, some mole negros can be. It depends. Uh, you mole know, in uh, general. It, yeah, it's always like in the sweet level. Mm-hmm. Spi- spice with moderation, just like the um, black bean puree that I made it for you guys today. Mm-hmm. It has a spice, but in moderation. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a good spice. Good spice it too. Yeah. It is. And you can see most of the content on Instagram and TikTok that we're going to be uploading. Yeah, right. The candy, bacon, and the uh, baby carrots and all that stuff. A quick question about the mole. You mentioned there's seven different types of mole. Mm-hmm. So is it like a like a color wheel, like a mole negro, mole rojo, mole verde, mole marron? Amarillo. Amarillo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, different eights. Uh, seven, seven eights. So it would be... Pipiang oh. is made with uh, pumpkin seeds. So that makes it better. It's mole verde also. Which I was going to say, I think I had pipián and it was green mm-hmm. and it was fucking delicious. It's like a pumpkin delicious. mole? Yeah. They took Whoa. the pumpkin uh, seeds. Pumpkin seeds. Yeah. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn, and um, for me, when when I start um, learn, you know, I, if you will, like five years from now, I started getting really deep into, um, you know, reading about, you know, I buy a lot of books just to read about the, the uh, gastronomy, if you will by the Bible sauce, by the Bible flavors, and just start discovering food. And then also, I never separate from my um, books from, you know, my chef, my Mexican chef, yeah. and then your American roots. chef. Yeah. Do you think I, it's important to always make sure that you're paying homage and um, being very considerate of all the traditional food that comes from Mexico? Of course. Like, even if you're making American food, it's like... I think from your roots, right? Yeah. For example, my roots um, are from Oaxaca and Mexican food will be my strong side, right? Mm-hmm. But also, I don't, you know, I always learning from different cuisines, like Indian cuisine or Asian cuisine or like a French cuisine. Always, so French cuisine always gonna be, um, if you will, in our uh, basis because, mm-hmm. as you know, all the mother sauces are based on the, you know, French uh, yeah. cooking, you know. And so when I cook, I always I love the French side, which. The elevation of the plate, you know, like more, you know, modern, more, you it's know, very artsy. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. French very cuisine, artistic was, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, French yeah. cuisine was really the first cuisine that was made like fine dining us. Exactly. Like they're the ones that pioneered what is essentially sure. fine dining today. How do you? Yeah. How does one tell that? What do you mean? Uh, history. Just look at that. I mean, yeah. it. Uh, India had most like spices and curries, right? So they're 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 vegetarian. I guess like, I'm just wondering because like was wasn't like stew wasn't based. France like a bunch of like warring tribes less than 600 years ago? Like, did the Chinese in India not have fine dining for 4,000 years? Y- We're y- talking about. I mean, you're talking about. This is a deeper conversation we had about kings and queens and all that. But yeah, exactly. What actually. we know now as fine dining was started by the French. Yes. Yeah. Like okay. if you talk the, about the, the seven restaurant too, exactly, you know, yeah. Yeah. like the seven yeah, who found sauces. like the idea of courses and who found the five sauces for That's example, what I'm like, yeah. you know, like our base or hollandaise for example, are espanole, and then you go to the other uh, three more sauces. Um, but also the when you are, you know, if you will, like for me. Uh, as a chef, my influence are always going to be, you know, my best going to be, my learning will be French. 
and then now I introduce my uh, French knowledge to the Oaxacan cuisine so I can make a powerful like for example as you guys can see like my carne asada dish that I made it for you guys yeah mm-hmm. I want to talk about the carne asada dish too which was a um, six ounce six ounces um, filet mignon prime um, so what I what I uh, made, it, I made it I made a wrap mm-hmm. of Diabolo um, a wrap for that mm-hmm. uh, uh, filet mignon just because the spiciness and sweetness of the El Diabolo yeah. it goes together with my uh, black bean puree made it with truffle black truffle oil yeah and you said the Diabolo was a seasoning that you made that is essentially made for carne asada which would be for strip my, steak for my my it can be for my current it can be for steak can be for seafood for example mm-hmm. um in this case i use it for the uh carne the f- yeah and filet beans so i mean if most people would say like filet tenderloin is essentially the the go-to steak mm-hmm. to enjoy tender like, so as as uh, growing up I, I can remember the carne asada is always going to be like you know, people always do carne asada yeah. will be like a skirt steak, for example, mm-hmm. like a very... Dude, you know, a carne asada means a good time. It means a birthday. <laughs> yep. It means a baptism. Yeah. Yeah. It is like a... It means a quinceañera once or in a while. Like, or having family and friends yeah. over. Yeah, if you yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you'll have an uncle who'll just pour a whole beer on top of everything. <laughs> yes. I just say, oh, yeah. Well, yep. Usually, I, I see it in, like, the batch of raw meat hanging out in lime juice and salt um, with the corona on top. Just or, like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. This will go well, but and and that's like the traditional like Mexican cuisine culture, right? That is the most. Mm-hmm. I would say the, uh, you know, people like oh he's invited to the cookout, like that's always that saying. But mm. it's like he's invited to the carne asada. Like carne asada, you will not have a family gathering without having carne asada. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it's staple, that's, right? That's right. Our African American brothers have the barbecue. Yeah, we have the carne asada. Exactly. <laughs> that's what it is like. Like we invite people to the carne asada when we when we're having a good time with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. That, that almost made me grab my drink right there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and then after the the carne asada, we had a amazing tres leches creme brulee. Mm-hmm. That was I love creme brulee. Anytime it's on a menu, even I could be full. I could be seven courses deep. Mm-hmm. And they're like, would you like to enjoy creme brulee? Without a doubt, I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's going to be a stomach ache. I know yep. it's not good for me, but a creme brulee is like... You, you're yes. going to have to double up on a lactate later. I'm going to have to mm-hmm. double, a triple up on a lactate as soon as I get back. So uh, so, how, so explain... I know you said it on camera, but explain what the three leches yeah, were yeah. in the creme brulee. So tres leches and uh, creme brulee. Um, for me, when I go to a, a birthday party or if I go to um, a, a quinceañera or... Um, a celebration. A celebration. You know, you get the tia that brings this big tres leches. It's those like leaving cakes. a little so like, like trail. Yeah, yeah, like they're so heavy, and you're like, oh my god, can I move? <laughs> so for me, it was like, how oh, we can make something like you know, it can be so unique. Our you know, our tres leches, but without finish, like so heavy, like mm-hmm. you mentioned. Or, yeah. Without the heavy uh, feeling. Exactly. Yeah. So, and how it can be so more modern, if you will. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, I need to do a lot of research on tres leches creme brulee, or creme brulee mm-hmm. and, and if you will. So I looked up, uh, I did a research, I went back to my books, and um, and I found this recipe, and there was a tres leches creme brulee. And so I started practicing perfecting it, right? Um, and I perfect my creme brulee to the time that I don't have to bake them, mm-hmm. you know, if you will. So, and I was like, okay, so I had the, I soot the bread there's no bread on it so we take away the bread but also is now uh, evaporated milk condensed milk and um if you will it is the um um 
to whipped cream. So mm. a heavy whipped cream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I added those three um, type of meals. So that's why the tres leches. And we still add um, uh, egg yolks. And I add a little bit of um, agar sugar, which is a type of uh, gelatin that more modern, if you will, like um, more it helps plant with the based. consistency, right? Exactly. Yeah. Plant based um, gelatin, if you will. Okay. So I did that and I cooked them, put it together, and then I finished with the uh, like a normal creme brulee with the uh, mm-hmm. burnt sugar. Mm-hmm. And then some of the. Uh, Berries are coming out in season right now. Dude, those, those berries on top killed it too. Mm-hmm. That like final little like raspberry acidic taste with the yeah. creamy velvety Blueberry. custard. No, oh it's amazing. A little fresh. Oh my god! And then uh, Juan actually prepared an amazing cocktail for us, which yeah. we don't have one. Mm-hmm. We have one back there, but do you want to tell us what it is? That's right, boys. Um, for us today, out of quite literally like the bartender's bible. So not quite the bartender's Bible, but the Death and Company uh, cocktail book. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, good book, good book. That's right. Yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. for modern bartending. It's a good read. It, it's the King James Bible adaptation. You know, like for but modern like it, bartending, but that's what hip. it is. Very, yeah. very cool looking. That's what like, I'm saying. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Yo, you know? when you make this for your friends, it's gonna be fire. That's mm-hmm. what it's. <laughs> Dude, it, it's got a, like a, a velvety black like touch mm-hmm. to the book. It's it's a beautiful book. But anyways, going on beyond that. Uh, we're taking a, a drink out of that, um, and called the Silver Monk. Uh, I wanted to pay like homage uh, to like the cuisine we were eating, um, so I sourced that drink as like one of the more interesting uh, summer tequila mm-hmm. drinks that I could find. Um, but yeah, that drink consists of two ounces of silver tequila or blanco tequila, uh, 0.75 of yellow chartreuse, 0.5 simple syrup. Now, and before you mix that all together, you're going to take eight uh, mint leaves, around three cucumber wheels, throw that in a glass, muddle it together. After you're finished muddling, throw a nice hearty pinch of kosher salt in there, and you toss in your Blanco tequila, your yellow chartreuse, your simple syrup, and your ice. Shake that like a motherfucker. You double strain that into a coupe or a martini glass, and you have yourself the Silver Monk. It's this beautiful, like, slightly mojito margarita mix thing wow. that's it has like a little bit of cucumber. And if you like a little bit more of like a vegetable green, like leaf taste, leave the skin on your cucumber. If you do not, I would um, tell you to peel that off because it does affect the, the taste of the drink. If you leave it on, it tastes a little bit more um, like you almost had like a hint of green pepper in there. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, if you leave it off, it'll be much less of that vegetable uh, taste. Um, but yeah, no, I got a uh, out of five, out of seven, out of ten, it's the max. Like max. if I'm having, uh, it's, I mean, we looked ev- everywhere for yellow chartreuse. Yes, we mm. seriously. It it took a lot of dedication to source <laughs> that fucking yellow. Yeah, chartreuse, when you're naming guys. the ingredients, like you're underplaying the the, the, importance. the yellow yes. chartreuse. I literally went to a store, which is like this awesome Italian themed, not Italian mm. themed, but like an Italian deli, like authentic. They have the most bottles of wine I've ever seen in one location. The most bottles of liquor. They have tiramisu crackers. They have cr- they have cookies in in Italian packaging. And the workers are in track suits. Yeah, the workers. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> I'm working. 
Can you wait it, until five o'clock? Can't you see I'm busy? <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to touch on the on the drink they make. Uh, to be honest, one not kidding, but it was one of my favorite. That's drinks. what I mean. Like yeah. out of five, yeah. out of seven, oh, out of ten, yeah. whatever you. it is, that's yeah. an amazing kind. And this isn't props to me. Like this is literally me sourcing a drink and trying to match you. I was trying to match you, like, because you had messaged me with the food that you were cooking for mm-hmm. us. And you said that you were going to cook, like, an elevated carne asada. Mm-hmm. So when you said an elevated carne asada, I wanted to have, like, an elevated cocktail. cocktail like, almost take, like, a margarita and make it, like, mm-hmm. a grown-up, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and mm-hmm. like, funnily enough, like, after doing a little bit of research, that's what I ran into. And I loved it because, like, uh, tequila and chartreuse chartreuse is known as this very, you would not think yeah. it would go together yeah chartreuse is known as this very like floral um fine dining liqueur like and it it is not a natural marriage with no, tequila right sure. it's not and tequila is what you drink a lot tequila is what you drink when you want to black out yes yeah. <laughs> that's that's the reputation as tequila has yeah. as possible yeah like the two liquors that you're pairing and, and i love tequila and citrus mm-hmm. and throw in some of that floral notes in there with the chartreuse yep throw in some cucumber in there some like mm-hmm. summer mint my god it, it was a delicious cocktail i loved it no it was wow. easily like <clears throat> in terms of tequila the best tequila cocktail i've tried that's and it's also because we used fresh mint, fresh lime juice. The chartreuse was unopened. The tequila bottle, the tequila bottle, I've never actually even seen before. It's called Mi Campo. Mi Campo, that's right. Mi Campo. Yeah, mi campo. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, I am not very familiar with the tequila. I sourced it from my favorite um, liquor shop in Delavan. Uh, Rigatoni's? No, uh, <laughs> not Rigatoni's. It's uh, downtown. Um, shout out to uh, Loki. I believe it's called La Costeria or something like that. It's the downtown Mexican liquor store. And mm-hmm. I, I went there because like I knew I was making a tequila cocktail. I had to aim for the largest selection of tequilas. Mm-hmm. So like I narrowed in and I found um, it was between this one and this other one that that was at a slightly higher price point and the bottle was like much more elaborate so my brain was like ah well if the bottle's that nice the product inside can't be that nice <laughs> so so i was like God bless, the, that's the, how they do it. yeah i was they're like spending their money on marketing it, it, yeah they're compensating for something yeah, exactly. you know like so yeah i was like this is a nice clean beautiful artistic bottle like still at a mm-hmm. like great price point it's going to be used in a cocktail you don't want to go overboard with that mm-hmm. so i pulled the trigger and it was great Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that was amazing. That was good. That was, was a really good, good cocktail. Yep. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. All right, perfect. Um, earlier in the discussion. Welcome uh, back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. In the middle of your sentence. Thank you there, Johnny. <laughs> Thank you for uh, telling us about the weather today. Anyways, beyond the clear, sunny day, uh, I want to get to Abel today. And um, uh, when Luis had talked about fine dining earlier, got my brain kind of just like jogging, right? And it made me wonder what you think about like the idea that 
um, indigenous cooking, which like Oaxaca, I didn't know this, but is the most indigenous state in Mexico. Um, and once I learned that, it kind of like filled a puzzle piece for me because mm-hmm. I like wondered what is it about Oaxaca that makes it so special? Like, what is it about Oaxaca that like so many world acclaimed chefs have come out of there and have that lineage and like, yeah, they trace their lineage and their roots to Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. Um, like the chefs that you had mentioned mm-hmm. um, earlier in the in the episode. And I guess, like, my question to you would be, like, how does it feel for you to, like, have your home state, like, um, essentially respected along the Parises, the Barcelonas, the Londons, like, as a culinary, um, like, I guess, landmark in the world, a culinary... Uh, a destination um yeah how does that feel um like would you say that your customers here in wisconsin are kind of aware of like the sort of like lineage that you come from that that it is as well respected as it is or have those trends not made it like to where you are yet so i think the question comes all the time to um you know um where abel come from or you know where uh, my roots come from, and I, <coughs> if I'm cooking to a customer house, you know, if you will, like I'm making a dinner, um, at in every dish where I explain, you know, my guests what I prepare for them. Um, once in a while, I will, you know, ask what the questions are, or if they ask me questions, and they will be like, you know, where where are you from, for example, and I told them, you know, I'm from Oaxaca, Mexico, and. Uh, you know, I love to talk about my stay. Um, and you, you're right. You know, so Oaxaca has been named actually in 2021 where the pandemic was. Uh, that was named the number one city in the world to visit. Yeah, by uh, uh, Wine Magazine, right? By the UNESCO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, because we have so much to give. I mean, we have desert, we have mounts, we have uh, bayas, we have a ocean. Uh, we have, uh, if you will... We have cold temperatures, you know, in Oaxaca City is like, you know, cold temperatures too in the mounds. And so, so much research, so much work to get products, so much to where, you know, you can get so many ingredients, if you will. Um, as I mentioned, two chicatanas and uh, grasshoppers, you know. And, and, and yeah, that's right. You, you're touching on a subject that I wanted to like highlight mm-hmm. as well, like chicatanas or... Um, like the flying little like ants that you had mentioned mm-hmm. uh, with Oaxaca having this like deep indigenous uh, history where like the people that live there have lived there for thousands of years before the conquistadors came. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that about Oaxaca. They, they have like civilizations that are thousands of years old before the first motherfucker got off the boat, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and just like knowing that and knowing that they they cooked with uh, essentially bugs, grasshoppers and um, like all these different kinds of chiles like mm-hmm. where and, and like all every time like I hear all these like chiles names. Oh, this one's called Nalhuatel, blah, blah, blah. This mm-hmm. one's called this and that. And mm-hmm. I'm always like, where the like or I used to think like, where the fuck do these names come from? But it's indigenous it, it's, people. It's indigenous literally just tribes. like in these indigenous names and indigenous people. Yeah. And yeah. Touch on the indigenous. So, like for example, my roots, like your, you know, roots are Chatinos. You know, uh, the whole region of Coquila and 
Um, if you were Costa Chica, the Oaxaca is. Uh, Dude, Chantinos. I wish I could tell you I knew, dog, but I don't, <laughs> bro. You're you're teaching me all of this. For you know, sure. like this is all. I I, I didn't even think there was different tribes. In, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. uh, different. Um, if you will, like the you know different race. You know, like for example, we have Mayas, we have um, Zapotecos, Mixtecos, Amuzgo, yeah. Chatinos. Like my roots are Chatinos. You know. Yeah. Just like just like people in like the. Uh, you know, United States, the continental United States have Cherokee, they have I mm -hmm. Iroquois. The same applies to Mexico. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So my grandpa, uh, he is a Chatino, if you will. And so he didn't teach uh, my, my mom or my, my uncles, you know, the language. You know, and my, from my grandmother's side, if you will. And I... And I always, this is one of my uh, one of my goals to, to learn my my own language. You know, back yeah, go back to Oaxaca and, and just learn Teach my yourself. language. Yeah, yeah. And just learn my language because it's so valuable. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can be, speak now four or five languages. And so Chatino, um, my grandpa did not teach my my mom my my uh, uncles that language because they were like in back in the days too. Like it was very a lot of bullies for the language. You know. There was a lot of colorism and mm -hmm. racism, dude. I, I did not, I, like, I don't want to take over, but, like, I have recently become aware after having my trip to Mexico, uh, like, the pervasiveness of, of racism and colorism in, in Latino and, like, Mexican culture. Like, uh, that, like, little, like, white supremacist bug, like, bit those guys, too. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. that, that shit is, like, just as pervasive in Mexican families as mm -hmm. it is like in the U.S. Like you'll see aunties like quite literally tell their sisters or their nephews, "Oh my God, I'm so glad your baby's light skinned He looks so much, <laughs> he look, dude. He looks so much. So he up. looks so much prettier mm -hmm. than like his cousins, this or that. <laughs> and they'll say it right in front of the cousins. It's fucked and, up. And like they'll they'll talk about their own like. Col like darker mm -hmm. like colored skinned uh siblings they'll mm -hmm. be like oh my god you're not as pretty as me like like my i even heard my own like i i love the man dude i love the man and but i heard my own like grandfather who looks extremely indigenous like talk shit about his like darker skinned daughters and like just like show much more preference to his much lighter skinned uh, mm -hmm. daughters and he, in his own words, in front of them, the darker-skinned daughters, he would be like, yeah, I don't know what happened with these guys. But the other ones, though, those came <laughs> the out other right. Ones came out good. Those came out right. And it was just like, like you can see it, you, you know? Look, like, you, you, yeah, you can racism. see it. That's racism. Yeah, and it's, and even, it's not necessarily that they're a different race, but, like, it's that, like, white supremacist virus that, like it was like basically imported over here like mm. those ideas that like mm. mindset yeah it's, it's more aryan the like the whole like it, it's perfect this, like, like color perfect pigment these perfect european skin. beauty standards yeah like yeah. where and you'll even see that in in asia where in uh, india yeah too. yeah in asia you'll even see that over there where mm -hmm. where uh like women that are live near the tropics or where they have like a much darker skin tone mm -hmm. they buy like skin bleaching creams and shit like that oh, yeah. you know, when like, i did some teaching out there in thailand and did some vacation in laos mm -hmm. makeup everywhere and just every the the main models were these light-skinned koreans just like advertising like 
put this on your face every night and you'll have the same skin tone that I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the epitome of beauty. Yeah. And in in my opinion, like everybody's racist. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Like right? Luis earlier when he was talking about fine dining and the French, mm-hmm. like and how Mexico doesn't necessarily have like a history of fine dining. It's like it hasn't been allowed to have a history of fine dining. Like, do we really think that like indigenous cooking would have like been seen as fine dining 30 years ago? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think uh, you know, we have to do a lot of research for that. But, um, yeah. you know, and I, I give so much respect for the paneers, uh, you know, nowadays are, for example, you know, like I mentioned that, you know, I, I would just say aloud, you know, Enrique Levera is, is the guy who put our, you know, gastronomy out there, you know, to, was a person who did was care and, you know, say, hey, you know what? And actually, it's a lot of, you can go back and, and read his bio and his story, but he was a person who was, he was not, well, he came to Mexico after he graduated from, uh, what's it called, Don Brew. Um, I'm the, sorry, what place? The, um, it's a called, called, the University of the Gastronomy that was in New York, I think it's Cordon Bleu. Oh, Cordon, Cordon Bleu. Bleu. Cordon Bleu. Cordon Bleu. And he like went Cordon Bleu chicken? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cordon Bleu chicken. Yeah, there's oh, a no. whole, like, <laughs> it's a, it's there's a, a whole chain a of chain. culinary schools named mm. after yep. um, that. Get the fuck. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why they share it, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so he went Hell back yeah. to Mexico. He opened, a, actually, a, a American restaurant, like more like a French style. And he was saying, like, he was getting mad because the corner where the taqueria was full line of people and his restaurant serving like a fine dining, you know, French and American cuisine, he was like empty. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he was like, uh, you know, and that's, that's something that caught my attention, but then he converted that street food to fine dining and yeah. his restaurants becoming one. You can look it up, you know, you do the research, you find mm-hmm. his story. It's so unique. I love it. Um, and so from there, a lot of pioneers come out, you know, like yeah, a lot I think of for sure. People. A lot of Asian people as well, like Chef Roy Coy and some of those guys from like East LA yeah. who were like just they, they started out of a food truck and they were like, we're just going to make the best food truck food ever. Mm-hmm. And then some of that food was like elevated to such a level that it should be served in restaurants. Mm-hmm. Like it starts in like these ghettos and these street markets. But all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I want to have a taco, but I don't want to have it on the side of a street. Like, mm-hmm. I want it to be the best ingredients ever. Yep. And that doesn't just come from the chefs, but that comes from, like, the demand of people where they're like, do I want to go to a restaurant and get, like, a steak like I always get or get, you know, sea bass mm-hmm. or you know, the bluefin tuna and you get yep. really cool fish. But it's like, yeah, I you have that once and you're satisfied. You know, give me something that I'm familiar and comfortable with, mm-hmm. but just give me the best ingredients in that dish. Like, today you made carne asada with mm-hmm. a filet. Like, yep. that's very uncommon. But if you were to put that on a menu, everyone would buy it. Because they're like, you're making a carne asada style filet? Like, yeah, I love carne asada. Sign me the mm. fuck up. Exactly. Yeah. If I saw that, I could have $60 in my bank account, and that dish is worth 50 I'm buying it. Yep. Like, it's just, it's easy. And, you know, it comes to, like, you know, using best dishes, we come, all come with the best source, you know, best ingredients, for example, um, if you ask Chef Ewa, I will do research, you know, to buy, you know, use the best ingredients to make a dish. Uh, because even if you spend more money to make a dish, but if you make it with best ingredients, you know, it's just the feelings that you, you customer will get. Mm-hmm. The person who you, 
um, as as uh, now they now I don't know if you guys know, but I uh, left my former job as a executive chef. Yeah, that's something uh, we definitely wanted to, to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, using the base ingredients best, <laughs> using the best <laughs> ingredients that you can uh, for your new job, which is you're a uh, personal chef caterer. Yeah, so I um, own Elena in Home Catering, and we're a private chef, if you will, like more in-home events. Uh, we do a big events, and uh, we have a, a new uh, commercial kitchen out in Delavan now, and nice. so we do uh, events out there if it's like a really massive event, if you will. Uh, but also our, our you know, biggest customer, or if you will, the most customer we have is more in-home um, events. We do a lot of... Um, offices we do um if you will uh corporate you know we'll call us you mm-hmm. know to you rent a bnb house in the geneva and then you hire a chef to cook for you like three days in a row for example so that's our you know we do that a lot of those events but my um is always to introduce new menus you know new ideas mm-hmm. new concepts uh and i listen my customer if you will um I will ask them what they want, and then I will base the menu based on what they want. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's been, um, um, you know, one of our main focus right now, uh, to do in-home uh, cater and do cater. Well, I left my former job as a, right. as a chef um, and to, to start to become a full-time entrepreneur, if you will. Um, I associate with different uh, other group of uh, entrepreneurs just to, you know, to... Um, educate myself on the business size and association because I believe in association association is power I would love to do more things with chef in the area and uh, more you know entrepreneurs or just chef that want to do more than you just be like you know what I mean like just yeah, yeah not just cooking the same bullshit every mm-hmm, week exactly. and being happy with it mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, question? it and for the area the clientele uh, like you were saying uh, we're so close to the uh, vacation spot from Chicago. We're, mm-hmm. we're, the, we're Illinois' vacation spot, like Lake Geneva, the yeah. Walworth Bay area, yeah. right? Um, how do you find dealing with like all these different uh, like peop- restrictions, like kosher and like um, uh, how you say uh, vegetarian, vegetarian vegan. allergies mm-hmm. and stuff like that? Yeah. Kosher yeah. and like if I'm Muslim, dietary and, restrictions. There yeah. you go. Yeah. So when it comes to that point, is like for example. I will be doing a couple of events this weekend, for example. Mm-hmm. We have one uh, yoga uh, class that they hire us for to uh, um, a cater. And so um, my customer will tell me, you know, what their dietaries are. And then I will base, I will select different greens for different um, person, if you will. Uh, for example, if it's a uh, um, shellfish allergy or they're veg- uh, vegan, for example. So I will do, I will make a menu based on that. So you're, um, you're essentially like offering offering in a 100% like curated experience mm-hmm. where the experience that you're getting is essentially like one of a kind, like it's been chosen for you. Mm-hmm. Like the food items that I picked are because you told me you like X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what you're doing, right? Yep. Yeah, that's pretty important for us to, um, if you will, if you ask me, okay, you know, like, I think this is the biggest, I, I have this customer that comes to me and we, we did an event for them. And they were like, you know, one of the guests come on to the corner and say, hey, you know, 
chef um i don't want to say in front of everybody but i'm i don't like my 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 um uh folate mm -hmm. to be cooked medium rare i wanted more like to the medium side i was like yeah i was so happy that you told me that because i really want you guys to enjoy your steak i yeah. i always ask my customers say hey you know how you like your steak cook i don't know if you remember this today mm -hmm. i asked you know how you guys like mm -hmm. to cook i don't want you to tell me we all said rare as fuck exactly <laughs> 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 want that shit moving. but i don't want to you know just say because the chefs sometimes are very strong on that yeah. side you know say no yeah, this is how so i cook stupid. it yeah yeah i think to have yeah. that mentality because you know when i make food whether it's for like you know friends here that i made for food in the past or my mm. you know fiance or you know my own parents like you want them to enjoy it like you don't want to just be like this is how i make it and this exactly. is how i like it because when i make food i'm literally thinking about like calories protein carbs i'm not making that for the people i want to enjoy food like i'm not like oh everybody's gonna eat some fucking chicken and rice on the side like no mm -hmm. you want them some tuna to and crackers yeah exactly <laughs> you want you want them to enjoy it uh, i hate chicken over <laughs> <laughs> rotisserie chicken um yeah you don't want people to eat food and be like oh it sucked because you made it the way that you mm -hmm. want it you want to make it for them to enjoy it it's so. an experience and that's it, like uh what what you were describing your self curation uh for like a catering event that's like the best ultimate experience like mm -hmm. for the person yeah you want to accomplish you know the, the what they want and you know you, you, know, you want them to call you back yeah exactly mm -hmm. and then you know i become like i working on myself to become better listening you know i just learn you know become the better person of myself uh if you will like uh, if you ask me two years ago what my mindset was, it was not, you know, I was not right now. Like, I was talking with you guys. Um, I think Chef A was be changing a lot, you know, and just little things, but also just to make it better, you know, and just think, um, become a better person. It, it uh, sounds like you've really, like, taken on a growth mindset. Exactly. In, in your near past. Yeah. Like, it seems like you're... Like always, it's it, like from the sounds of it, it sounds like you want to keep working on yourself. Yeah, it sounds like you're growing not only as a chef, but as a person, um, which kind of brings me to my uh, a question that I have for people who work in restaurants is you always see this um, archetype of the angry chef, mm -hmm. the guy who's like, yep. you know, and, and Gordon Ramsay, not that it's his fault, but he's definitely given people a reason to think like that when Gordon Ramsay has Gordon Ramsay skills and these bullshit chefs who have um, instant noodles type skills will act in the same way. But I think a very compassionate chef like you are, who's willing to understand and listen, I think that's so much more valuable than a guy who acts angry for a dish being sent back when exactly it's, it's like, not being sent back because they fucking loved it. <laughs> like, and it could, it's not yeah. always the chef's fault. It's like, well, and, you know, I remember, Sometimes it just happens. You know, I want to touch a little bit of that. I remember those days when I was in the kitchen, you know, just running the kitchens and have my 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 chefs, you know, my cooks in the back, you know, doing the job, you know. Because being in charge of the kitchens, you know, like sometimes, you know, call yourself chef, but, you know, chef, you know, is a tile, and then you have the team behind you who's doing the job. And I remember those days when I was, you know, in charge of the kitchen, just running the kitchen, just, you know, making sure every single dish come to your you know to the front of the house you know it have to be the perfect dish you ever want to send 
And I remember the couple of times I got to send back a couple of dishes from for my own chef, you know, from my own cooks. For yours, yeah. And then I was like making, giving the attitude, and I was like, guys, you know, what what are you guys doing? You know, this is not because I really hate you and send you back, but you know, customers are the most important. You know, the I mean, for a restaurant, you know, you want to be consistent. Um, if you overcook a steak, for example, you know, I mean. I'm not going to send the overcooked steak for a customer who requests yeah. a, you know, the temperature they want because that's what we offer, you know, and we yeah. have to stem, we have to keep those values. We have to, you know, stand by our words, you know, what we stand for, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and as a chef, and then you get those, but then you realize that those mindsets sometimes, you know, those people need to grow off, you know, they need to really think if they really want, that's what they want to do, or maybe that's not what they want to do, or mm-hmm. maybe they're not, happy what they doing you know if yeah the same. and there's levels to cooking you know like i don't think the, the uh, at least you know i should say that i personally don't think that i could ever walk into a kitchen and do it full time because my heart wouldn't be in it mm-hmm. for some people they see it as just a job you know they, they they've cooked before and they worked at a denny's after they graduated high school same and then yep. they just keep working from another restaurant to another restaurant but when you're trying to feed people who are celebrating a birthday, who are spending a lot of money, mm-hmm. celebrating an anniversary, you, you got to fucking want it. You got to want to spend 10 to 12 hours at a restaurant. Yep. You got to want to work on the prep. You got to want to stay like that's a very tough mentality, but your heart's got to be in it because yeah, if it's not, 100%. then you just got to fuck right off. And, mm-hmm. and that's from starting from the cooks to the waiters, to the bus boys, to the bartender. It's all an experience. Yeah, like even, if you're going out, cause like you said, consistency mm-hmm. to any anything you do in life. Uh, if you're consistent with it, mm-hmm. you're gonna see the value in your work. Exactly. Yes. And um, for me, you know, it took it took time. I wouldn't say that when I begin to become like you know just start working at restaurants, you know, my mindset was I was being the entrepreneur person, mm-hmm. you know, if you will. Um, even when I was in Oaxaca, I was like already, you know, thinking about my future. But I will say that the passion for food was, I mean, since how early one, did it start? I would say I remember that since I remember I always been interesting about the cooking part. You know, I will always watch my grandma, always watch my mom to cook, and I will pay attention. We eat, you know, and I will be like always asking questions on the beginning that I remember, and. So, like I was telling Juan, when I took the job as a executive chef and or a head chef in the restaurant, I was thinking, what is next? You know, what is next? And always was the bar. So, uh, as right now, uh, we, you know, I I opened my own company, if you will, uh, last year on July. Um, the name of the company is Elena in Hong Kong. Where does the name come from? Yeah, uh, Elena is my uh, is is uh, the name of the company is based on um, of my grandma's grandmother um, name, if you will, um, because she was the person who inspired me. You know, she was blind. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. She Abel. was blind, and she will touch the ingredients. She will just have contact with the ingredients with by hand yeah. her hands. And I, I think that's something that skills that when I say uh, who inspired me, you know, that was my grandmother. Um, Like I mentioned before, she was blind. um, And the way she inspired me was by, you know, how I would see her cooking a meal and 
and she was just touched the ingredients and you know what I mean like that was like it was just so much can't remember I, I remember when I cook is like how I still can I can understand you know like how she will touch ingredients she will make these amazing meals without seeing you know yeah. so her of course her daughters will help her you know to you know to bring greens by her or they will ask advice you know to her to teach them how to you know make these amazing meals and so for me it was something that um it always been an inspiration for myself you know to become a chef um i know that i cannot become the best chef by myself uh but with god you know god will help me to you know, it will lead me. It will, I'm always saying that, you know, I, I put my hands on God to help me to become one of the best chefs. And, you know, I really want to become one of the best chefs in the world. You know, um, I would not say that, um, you know, because, you know, my heart is clean. You know, I just want to, you know, help others. I want to, you know, give it more, you know, if you will. I have like a clean car that want to help other chefs and want to help other generations of, of, of chefs that are coming out and, um and so can you tell us a little bit about that um like personally i was a little bit curious of like where that comes from from you like like what is it inside of you that makes you want to do that yeah and on the uh, adding to that i wanted to say that when juan and i used to work with you and philip actually um hola, hola. <laughs> uh you were never one of the kind of cooks that were like yo let's not cooks one of the kind of you know people in the kitchen i should say compared to everybody that I've worked with in the kitchen who were like, yo, let's go get a drink afterwards. So, yo, let's go do coke afterwards. Like, yo, let's go get high. Like, you were never that kind of person. And I know that, you know, we spoke off air about you want to start promoting good habits in people that work at restaurants. So, you know, just adding to what Juan said, like, where does that come from? And what, what do you like to do in the future with that? But I think just to become, you know, mentality, you know, like, um, you know, to become... You know, a lot of successful, very um, good chef. You know, sometimes they just go to the route of, you know, party too much and just, you know, that would suck. The in, rock like, star path, exactly. Yeah. Just you know mm -hmm. what I mean, like it will consume you, but also it will not take you nowhere. You know, and so my myself as a chef, I think I end up, you know, in my career, I just being kind of like more associated with good people. You know, I just wrote some run myself with. Uh, you know, more positive, in, you know, mentalities or more successful mentalities. And now, you know, uh, for example, if I have a long day, you know, I I will not just go and, you know, go out and, you know, drink and stuff like that because I know that that would not take me nowhere. You know, I need to stay focused where yeah, I you're want. you're just cycling over and over, just burning yourself out. It's very easy to exactly. get caught up in that because, like, after work, everyone's like, Let's get out of here. Let's exactly. go celebrate. Yep. Let's go talk shit about the restaurant yeah. that just paid us. We just <laughs> work a double. Feet yeah, hurts. Yeah. No, that's this. Uh, I think that culture have to change. You know, it's, but somebody have to. You know, like for in my so I have to stay away from that. I remember those days when I was in the kitchen. You know, and everybody was like, "Hey, you know, let's go get some beers." You know, I was like, "You know, well, guys, I have to work tomorrow. You know, I need to wake up earlier. I have mm. to, you know, develop." So nowadays, you know, how I celebrate, I. I, I will say that I, you know, I get out of the first event and I will just thank God, you know, for another day and, you know, another job that I just finished, but I will stay home, but, you know, it's just not, 
you know, my ego take me that way, you know, or, you know, I'll say, hey, you know, let's call everybody, let's go get some, you know, let's go party, if you will. Um, but I've been very, if you will, I've been associated with the right people, you know. I mm -hmm. think that's what's been helping a lot. Um, and then I, I, you know, write my goals, you know, I have my goals, you know, writing and, you know, we go for that, you know, I have like, I know where we're going, I have a vision, you know, you have to create your vision where you want to go. And for myself as a chef and for us as a company, as Elena in Home Caring, we want to go, we are five years deep, you know, into our uh, business and then God will decide, but we want to establish a restaurant in five years. You know, that's when I reach that part. It's fucking beautiful. What's the biggest, like, intimidation thing at first? Because, like, getting the skills to cook, it's uh, it's one thing upon itself, right? Yeah. You got to have the passion. You got to put the constant work into it. Mm -hmm. But to even grow from that and the business aspect, it's so intimidating, right? Because you spend all this time to, like, master your cooking. Mm -hmm. And now you got to deal with a whole different side of business. Um, so like, what's something easy? Like if people are listening to it right now, like I, they have that passion of like wanting to start their own business of like sweets or treats or cooking, catering or etc. Yeah. So I, mm -hmm. I will touch your point. I think I, me as a, as a person, I think, you, you know, just, if you have a dream that, you know, you want to accomplish, you know, something that you really want, I think you just, just go for it. You know, just don't be scared. Don't be scared to give it all because after if you think it this way when somebody is already dying it's always that there is regrets if you will mm -hmm. where oh why i didn't jump in why i did not love with all my heart or why i did not give it all you know or why not um become entrepreneur if you will or why not did this or why any trouble you know i think those come more regrets but why not now, you know, why not just take the jump, don't be fear, and just go for it. You just got to jump in head first. You have to jump in, yeah. Yeah. You have to jump Figure in. Figure out along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what are your, uh, let's say, goal for next year with Elena in-home cooking? So at, at this moment, our goals um, every year, if you will, is to make, to do 44, 144 um, events. Uh, that is about three events per week, you know, and... So that is our goal, you know, every every week to maximize ourselves and just do three events. Uh, it can be more, but our goal is just three events every week to become uh, basically a successful uh, catering company or a successful in-home private chef company, if you will. Yeah, no, man, it's, mm -hmm. it's been super, you know, from seeing you come from being a line a leader to being a sous chef to now having your own business and seeing that journey from you know, the sidelines in, in my point of view, it's, it's, it's really cool. And it's, it's really, uh, it's great to know you and mm -hmm. see somebody mm -hmm. be able to do that because you were willing to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, no one was like, put like, Hey, start, I'm starting a business. Do you want to join? It was all you pushing yourself forward. So it's, it's, it's been sick. Man. And, and, and as a person that loves food, the fact that you're taking like, we're talking, we're just spending like a whole hour talking about Mexican culture and like yeah. the different aspects of fine dining that mm -hmm. you're able to, curate like this experience of like ordering with my friends and family for this private event in my own house and then yeah. bringing the culture of like that mexican family togetherness with the fine taste of the, the quality of food that you provide mm -hmm. it's like you were saying like the yeah. f uh so it's uh, we take the we alejandro Ru we, Ru we Ru give an experience if you will you know <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
And so that is our the mainly focus, you know, to give an experience to, the, to our guests. Um, you know, we identify a need into the into the uh, parties in home. So, for example, you know, when you, for example, after you guys leave tonight, you know, uh, I'll have to clean everything. You know, I'll have to like <laughs> do, well, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. that is what mm-hmm. I find a need into other parties. You know, yeah. but when you throw a party, it's like you don't wanna. You don't want to clean after you, you know, you just want to go straight to bed. You want to sleep. Yeah. You want to be able to enjoy your friends and family. Mm-hmm. And so that we find a need and we want to, we are so happy to be able to help others or other, you know, families, other, you know, customers that they want to do a party and they don't want to clean up. You know, they, they expect somebody to, or they want to hire somebody who come and just do the drinks, do the bartending part, do uh, the salary part, mm-hmm. taking care of the guests, making sure everybody's happy. And, you know, it creates a really, uh, if you will, a, a different um, ambience. Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, in, in we, we do from traditional to fine dining. So if you ask me, you know, I can do traditional, I can do casual, I can do casual fine dining, and I do fine dining. So I can bring everything to your house. And so, like, going to a restaurant, you can, can call, you know, Elena in home caring and will bring that experience. And so um, instead of like driving, for example, you know, after you got a couple of cocktails and yeah. mm-hmm. you stay in your house, mm-hmm. the chef the, will come yeah. over and do That's everything. Perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, we met one of your uh, partners slash employees today. Like you literally have uh, waiters, servers, and bartenders that, mm-hmm. that you have work alongside with mm-hmm. you so that you can provide people with like that full experience it's not just food you know like you can provide cocktails and, mm-hmm. and the whole works too yeah yeah it can be a whole night experience like you said exactly um i get i guess one thing that i wanted to touch on i before I like i don't i don't know what it feels like we're wrapping up um at yes. some point um but i think <laughs> one thing i wanted to touch on was you able as in um I just like scouting for questions. Uh, I like asked um, some people in my family, and somebody had mentioned that a good question to ask you was like, "Did like did you ever feel like giving up?" Number one, hmm. and like I guess I assume that at some point you will say yes. Um, what did you do to like fight over, through over, that, overcome that? Yeah. yeah. So you know, first of all. Some days I would not lie, you know, it feels like, you know, you feel like you feel you're going to feel those days, you know, you feel down, you know, you feel like the moment. But I've been reading a lot of books about, you know, you know, how to overcome or like how books of, you know, successful entrepreneurs. And all. But it always says, you know, in some point in your life, you need to fail so you can become yeah. the most people who fail the most. They're the most successful. Yeah. And I feel some days that. Uh, Maybe in the past already I got those those down days or you already failed those. But a lot of people, man, you know, that have been failing the most are the most successful. Yeah. And at some point in your life you need you're going to fail or you already fail and you need to overcome. You know, overcome those fears, overcome those It's about getting up when you fall down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for me, um, a lot of you know remind myself i remind that it's more people behind me you know it's just not me and also it's god there to help me you know it's not just a me alone um if you will if you ask me like i say if you ask me two three years ago my mindset was not there but you know now it's just like 
full-time entrepreneur it's just a person who um you know i have my heart for the gastronomy and i want to help others to you know you know in, to become entrepreneur if they want to do that or if they want you know i really want to be the person who can um someday be a a, a pioneer for others you know if you yeah. will in the in the industry be and that mentor a yeah. mentor if you will yeah mm-hmm. No, that's, that's amazing. Really, uh, from you know coming from uh, Mexico specifically, and then making it, being successful already, and wanting more in one of the most privileged tourist cities in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's obviously it's not been easy, but like you said, it's those falls that make you better than you are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm really yeah. It's not the first time that you're gonna see Abel on Bro Taste This. We, we talked already about doing some film stuff and doing some more stuff with you. So, you know, I'm really excited to do anything and thank you for having us into your home. Yep. No. Seriously, Abel. Thank you. Like, thank you. Thanks it, a lot for this. Is there any way for the followers to like follow you on Instagram or That's TikTok right. yeah. or any, uh, what's your Instagram or so, social media? Right all in the um, description. Exactly. So I will give you my business card so you guys can post that. Everything's yeah. going to be in the description. Exactly. Yeah. And also, um, I mean, chef, uh, Instagram will be chef Abel Rosas. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook will be Abel Rosas. Um, also, Elena, uh, you can go to my bio on Facebook and you'll find Elena, and that will be Elena Page, if you will. Mm-hmm. Or And then also you can find Elena Inhon Catering LLC on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow that way, now, too. Now, if somebody were to, like, Google that, can they Google Elena Inhon Catering Lake Geneva? And you um, would pop so up? If, you, if you Google from the Google site, you can find our website also. So it will be Elena... So all together, elenacatering.com. That will be our Perfect. Uh, website. Easy Perfect. peasy. Look at that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, well, awesome. Thank you so much for having us, Phil. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Go check out Elena in Home Catering for any of your cooking needs. And we'll see you all next week. Yep.